Good morning, everyone. So I'm Dan, for those of you that don't know me. Um, the sun is shining, and we're celebrating Jesus rising from the dead. Um, and I was a bit worried my voice would go. Um, some of those really powerful words that we've been singing this morning. And hopefully we can reflect on Jesus's resurrection together this morning. Having said that, I believe the kids are doing an Easter egg hunt. So now, we, now is the time to go if you'd rather do that. Uh, I'm watching the door, though. I am watching the door. <laughs> so Easter Sunday. Today is how the, where we celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Friday, we reflected on the, the events that led to the death of Jesus and what it means to us. And as Sam said earlier, what it means to us personally, as, as John brought to us on Friday. And I'd like to continue that theme of what it means for us this morning. What does new life given by Jesus because of his resurrection mean to us? It's a little bit odd that we don't celebrate Easter quite as big as we celebrate Christmas. You know, why don't we have Easter jumpers, for example? <laughs> Anyone else wondered that? But it is a joke because I, I, I don't really like Easter jump, uh, Christmas jumpers either. But, but we don't make so much of a thing. But as Christians, this is what it all means. You know, this is what the resurrection means. And I want us to reflect on that and give a bit of context to, to his resurrection as well. Things used to be much more fun in the days where you didn't have information at your fingertips. In the early 2000s, Vicky and I went to a wedding in the Peak District. We did leave on time. We didn't have a sat-nav. Google Maps wasn't around then. Other map apps are available. And I had claimed I knew the way. <laughs> you can see what's coming. You can see what's coming. Um, and of course, on the way, I made a wrong turn. I didn't know at the time. Um, but I made a wrong term and turn, and Vicky was like, you sure you know the way? Yes, yes, I do know the way. And of course I didn't. Um, and we got there late. Um, the icing on the cake was that as we walked in, we were right at the front of the ceremony. Everyone <laughs> saw us there. Everyone saw that we were later than the bride. And of course, my loving, forgiving wife has never reminded me of this since. Um, but the truth in that moment would have made a massive uh, difference, but I missed it. And, and truth is so relevant to us, isn't it? Uh, you know, all of the time, but even more at the moment. What is the truth and how should it be used? And we're bombarded with information on a, on a, on a daily basis. Information, news, data, Almost 90% of British people access the internet every day. Two-thirds of us are on social media. The, most, the three most visited websites are, unsurprisingly, Google, BBC, and Amazon. We want information, we want news, and we want to buy stuff. Now, I'm not, I'm not up here to preach on the rights and wrongs of, of the internet, but just to make the point that information is, is, is thrown at us all the time. On a, on, a, on a daily, an hourly, even a, by minute, we're told things constantly. 
apparently scientists have work out, worked out that we process as much as 74 gigabytes of information per day, equivalent of watching 16 films every day through TVs, computers, devices, billboards. Ironically, I got this information from the internet. <laughs> um, and the, and the last two years have given us um, lots of things to read, digest, and react to. A whole spectrum, you know. On one hand, there's some really relevant topics that we've needed to think about. On the other hand, it's about TikTok dances and sharing it all with your friends. There's such a wide range of, of information that we can generate and read. There's also a spectrum of things that we tell ourselves. The narrative we live by, some of it is truth. And to be frank, some of it is lies. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. How can I be accepted? Maybe I'm not quick enough, not kind enough. Maybe I should have done things differently. I can't break out of this cycle. John Mark Comer, in his book, Live No Lives, states this. For example, suppose you believe the lie that you're unlovable. Wherever you picked it up in your life journey, be it a broken relationship with your parents, a breakup, a failure, a demonic deposit in your mind, or anywhere, then you would let that lie into your body, into your neurobiology. You let that light shape you to your behavior. Because you don't believe you are worthy of love, you let people treat you in ways that are disrespectful or demeaning, or you act in ways that are disrespectful or demeaning. If you live this lie long enough, tragically, what was false, false starts to become true. I know this is heavy going on an Easter Sunday, and we should be rejoicing, and we, and we are rejoicing, but to understand this new life, we also need to un understand the old. And the thing I'd like us to think about together today as we celebrate Easter is truth. To turn away from what enslaves us and to look to God for truth, which sets us free. So we're going to turn to the text we're going to use today. In John 8, if you've got a Bible um, digitally or physically, um, please turn to it, but the words will be on the screen as well. So John 8, from verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Our truths shape massive parts of our lives. What we believe, what we eat, how we act, how we treat each other whether we're confident or fearful, whether we love or hate. 
in the Intentional Dads group recently, we've been talking about knowing the good and the bad and the ugly of the internet. How do we introduce our kids to it? And it led me to a chap who used to work for Google, a guy named Tristan Harris. He's not a follower of Jesus, but he felt that the tech industry was built on exploiting people's vulnerabilities and provoke more screen time. He explains that the product which is sold in the tech industry is actually us. It's actually our attention. He reports that 11 billion interruptions from notifications every day are being designed by just a few people in America. The apps that are created are designed to exploit these vulnerabilities and can be amplified or exploited. So maybe it's our bad time management. You know, we've spent half an hour on Facebook and we didn't realize where the time has gone. Maybe it's the refresh, 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 almost like a slot machine of waiting for the next post. Is it FOMO, fear of missing out? I'm down with the kids, aren't I? Yeah? I know the youth are in today. Ruben's shaking his head. I'll I'll carry on. Um, Maybe it's exploiting the times that we're mindless, we're not quite mindful, or maybe we're stressed out and a notification comes up. Of course, technology helps us to do a wealth of stuff. That's not the point I'm making. There's actually a thing called email apnea, which I learned this week, where we stop breathing when we check our emails. Apparently, I'm not an expert in this, but it uses a sympathetic brain function which causes glucose and cholesterol dump into your blood and causes stress. And technologies and life uses these vulnerabilities. And as I said, not all of it is bad. And you may be sitting there um, feeling, I'm not on Facebook, my email management is perfect and I'm in complete control. If that's the case, can you speak to me afterwards? Because I'd, I'd like to know how that works. And, and of course, this technology example is clear and relatable to some of us. Um, but it actually shows us what, what life can be like. Our, our desires, our sins that enslave us, are just like how technologies can exploit our vulnerabilities. Some of these are obvious. You know, maybe it's addictions that we have. Maybe it's unhealthy obsessions. Some can be more subtle. Maybe it's striving to be beautiful, striving to be successful. Maybe it's about protecting our reputation, getting money or power, being popular, being accepted. These things all zap our time our mental energy, and our physical energy too. Now, we just read about being slaves to sin. It simply means that we can't escape from these sinful patterns, these wrongful patterns. And there's a common cultural way of thinking which is counter to what the Bible teaches on freedom. Mostly freedom to do what we choose no matter what the consequences. Tim Keller puts it like this, modern people like to see freedom as the complete absence of any constraints. But think of a fish. 
Because a fish absorbs oxygen from water, not air, it is free only if it's restricted to water. If a fish is freed from the river and put on grass to explore, its freedom to move and soon even to live is destroyed. The fish isn't more free, but less free, if it cannot honour the reality of its nature. The same is true with aeroplanes and birds. If they violate the laws of aerodynamics, they will crash into the ground. But if they follow them, they will ascend and soar. The same is true in many areas of life. Freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones, those that fit with the realities of our own nature and those of this world. I guess what I'm trying to get at is how can we ascend and soar just like the birds of the air? Ironically, there can be, there is slavery in freedom. The Bible talks about our flesh sometimes, sometimes translated as the sinful nature. It's a sinful appetite in all of us, which makes it feel natural to satisfy ourselves and our bodies. There's a freedom to ratify ourselves, to satisfy the cravings of our self-gratification, to pleasure, dominate our own destiny, or try and stay in control of things. Or on the other hand, it leads to stress, depression, or frustration that we can't control those things. The, the New Testament talks about the inner tug of war between our flesh and our spirit. And we feel that, we feel that uh, within, within our hearts. We feel that inner turmoil as we battle through things. Galatians 5 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbour as yourself. So you're probably thinking, just get on to the main point of rejoicing, Dan, and that's what I'm going to do. Our text today says, if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The English Standard Version says, if you abide in my word, if you live in my word, if you live in Jesus's teachings. So what is his word? What are Jesus' teachings and how does it relate to us? If we're to be disciples, apprentices, followers of Jesus, the text says to abide in his word. So this is why when I invite Kate or Sarah in and we get the cards out, God's big picture. What is, what is the story that God wants to tell us? He created us from the beginning because he loves us. He created the heavens and the earth. Satan came in and introduced lies. Adam and Eve heard these lies and they turned away from God. They turned away from God being their God and King. And we live in this turmoil, as I said, of the sinful nature, that inner turmoil of our spirit and our flesh. And then Jesus came to save us 
He died to save us from our sins. He died for us. And then today we talk about him being raised to life to give us new life and hope. And he's promised the Holy Spirit to work in us, to live in us. And one day he will come again to restore heaven and earth. As followers of Jesus, we live in this context of what's happened before, but also what will happen, what God has promised us, and live how God intended us to be, to live full, contented lives with him, to enjoy the world and live in community with him and each other. And of course, we're focusing on his resurrection this morning. And we put that in context of what's hap- what happens before, but what it also leads to, to. Now, if this is quite new to you, I encourage you to read. Maybe start in the New Testament, start in a gospel, and read about the encounters with Jesus. Um, and, and ask the Holy Spirit to be revealing those truths to you. But as we reflect on what Easter means... We reflect on that he died, he was buried, and he was raised to life. Jesus conquered sin. He conquered those things that we struggled with. He conquered the struggle, uh, uh, sorry, the hold of the sinful nature. He conquered our desire to satisfy ourselves in our own strength. He came to give us life. Having the power to be raised himself, it's the same power that works in us. Resurrection is a fundamental to being a follower of Jesus. It's not the end, it's the beginning. It's the power that gives us new life to go on with him and be renewed by the Spirit. It was so great to see those get baptised last week and that that symbol of going down and dying to your old life and then coming up to your new life being rebirthed into something new something that is transforming and renewing you day by day through the spirit and it doesn't mean we have to wait for this new life it's something we can have now N.T. Wright describes us now as a shadow of our future selves. So when, you know, sometimes when we're ill and people say, oh, you're such a shadow of what you are, well, actually, it's the other way round. When Jesus comes again, we will be ourselves fully in God's image, in God's perfect image. But we can start to show that now. Okay, we're struggling with things, but actually God's working us is building us to that, being a shadow of what is to come. The Bible talks of us being restored to partnering with God in the renewal of all things. It starts with ourselves and extends to everything around us. The stewardship of the world, the creation around us, renewal of our relationships and the creativity of our hands in our families, our communities, in our work and in our play, and even in our rest. It's not a Sunday thing, it's a Monday to Sunday thing, it's an everyday thing. 
And we talk about heaven a lot, but actually what the resurrection is about is heaven coming to earth. It's God's kingdom on earth. Whilst we, we are in the life which is a shadow of what's to come, we can live the life God intended for us now. It's not a transformation overnight, but a journey, a working of the Holy Spirit in us to follow the way of Jesus and to be part of his kingdom on earth. The resurrection does promise full restoration when Jesus comes again, but it gives us the power to change now. And the first step is turning away from our old life, our desire to please ourselves and turns towards Jesus as apprentices of him in the new. The Greek word for resurrection is anastasis, which literally means standing up. It's like we're just standing up in acknowledgement of what God has done for us and then walking with him as part of the kingdom. It's not conditional. You don't have to go through a course or a process before. It's something that you can do right now. It's like faith as small as a mustard seed, which can grow. And as, as we reflect on the resurrection, I'd like us to think about three things. The first thing is faith. Now, we can read the Bible. We can read historical evidences. We can read the gospel that provides narrative on Jesus's life, encounters with him and his time on earth, his death, burial, and resurrection. There are witnesses that saw him after his resurrection. Um, there was a thought that his body would have been stolen. But at the end of the day, it's whether you have faith. C.S. Lewis writes in Mere Christianity, a man who was merely a man, he's talking about Jesus, and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He'd either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or he's a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about this, his being a great humor teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he didn't intend to. It's a decision that we have to make. And actually, what the resurrection provides is faith in him, through the power of Jesus. So faith, the second thing is hope. We have a hope in the resurrection that we'll be made whole. We have a hope that the world will be made whole again. That, the heaven, that heaven and earth will come together at last. And that we're renewed and made right by the Spirit in the power of the resurrection. The Bible says the world groans, and we, as I said, this inner turmoil, we're groaning for that hope for, for the future, but we have the hope now. Romans 15 verse 13 says, may the God of hope 
fill you all with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have an eternal mindset in the present, a hope for the future that brings perspective and meaning to right now. So faith, hope, and finally love. This present does matter in God's new world. What we do now matters. We look back to what Jesus done, but we're called now to implement in light of what's to come. Just as Jesus gave himself up for us and was raised to life, we have God's power to be his people now. Whatever God is calling you to do, you can be part of God's kingdom. And just as Jesus showed the ultimate love on the cross, we have that same love from God with the eternal perspective inviting the Holy Spirit into our every day, every hour and every minute. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I was reflecting on the last song that we sung this morning about being a sweet, sweet sound in God's ear. I don't know, some of us may be thinking, well, how can I be a sweet sound in God's ear? You know, does God know this about me? Does God know that? Does God know how I act, how I think? Well, actually, we can be a sweet, sweet sound in God's ear because of what Jesus has done. Our lives can be a sweet, sweet sound in God's ear because we're living in the power of the resurrection. There would have been many people on the day between Jesus's death and resurrection who would have been despairing. Can you imagine, you know, my savior has died. Okay, Jesus talked, promised about coming back, but is it true? Is it gonna happen? There would have been anxiety, confusion, frustration, People overcome with uncertainty, but then he rose. Maybe you're in a similar place this morning. Maybe you're thinking, you know, is it true what, what, what Jesus did? Maybe your desire is to be set free. You carry the weight of your burdens. You carry the weight of the lives that you are living. But Jesus is calling to lay your burdens down at his feet. Now, I don't know where you're at individually this morning. Only you, you and God know that. But I'd encourage you to think about three things, not, in, not, um, not one after the other, but all together. The first thing is seek. Take that first step. Be vulnerable. Open your heart to God as I said, this is not a conditional thing. You don't have to go through a course before you accept God. It's a gift. It's a free gift. And the first thing we do is accept, accept it. 
and now is as good a time as any. If you want to commit to Jesus, it is to turn from your old life and turn to the new life through Jesus. Maybe you want to recommit. Maybe you've committed already, but things have got in the way and actually you've, you've felt like you've been turning away from God. And, and what we're here to do, what the church is here to do is encourage each other in all of this, in our own walks, no matter where we are, to pray for an, one another and support each other. There will be some time at the end where you can come out the front and, and pray with somebody. But we can, all, we can all speak to each other about this, pray with each other, lead each other through this as well. So seek, read. As I said before, it's about abiding in him and his teachings. And how do we know more of Jesus than reading the Bible, reading about the encounters with Jesus, reading about God's big picture? If you're not sure where to start, start in the New Testament, start in one of the Gospels, um, and, and pray that God will reveal the gospel to you. If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And finally, pray. It's God's work in us. Ask God to give you the faith, hope, and love that is empowered by the life that Jesus gives. Open your hearts and minds to him. Ask him to break the barriers, him to break the chains of your sins, your sinful natures and desires. So if I could ask you all to stand, I'm, I'm going to pray a prayer that really just helps us to reflect this morning on what we've heard, what we've thought about. But this is a chance to welcome the Holy Spirit into us, to reveal these truths that we've been speaking about this morning, and to identify those things that hold us back. Jesus, we invite you here. We welcome the Holy Spirit to stir our hearts and speak into our lives. We say thank you for the truth that your resurrection brings, we say thank you for the freedom that you give us because what you have done. I acknowledge my sinful ways to you and say sorry. Commit to turning away from what binds us and commit to a new life in you. We accept the free gift of new life. And we ask for faith, hope, and love in the power of your resurrection. Amen. So let's stay in that reflective pose. As I said, this is an opportunity that we can respond to this. Whether it's a commitment, a recommitment, or you've got something that you would like prayer for. There's some space being, being made at the front here to my right. 
let's also be aware of each other and welcome if you've got any encouragements or words uh, to use the microphone at the front. But let's reflect and welcome the Holy Spirit. <laughs>